The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. This is Michael Drake, Chancellor at the University of California, Irvine. And whenever I get the urge to hear the voice of independent music, I tune in to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine or over the web at KUCI.org. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the 20... Oh, I'm sorry. It's the January 15, 2013 edition of Ask a Leader. I'm your host, welcoming you to my show today. It's a very civil, very civic-minded show. We start with Santa Monica spokes, spoke, spokeswoman Cynthia Rose to pave the way to the whole bike culture. That is a treat to behold in that West Side community. And afterward, we'll hear from recently re-elected Irvine City Council member Beth Crom to post us on some of that new leadership picture there. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Well, thank you for staying with us. When I recently visited the Santa Monica Farmer's Market last month, I was struck by the bike culture around that town. Just yesterday, too, the LA Times covered the rollout of the Santa Monica's Green Street Project started in late 2011. An advocate for this and other cycling promotion is my first guest, Cynthia Rose. 30 years she spent in the LA area. She is the director of the Santa Monica spoke a three-year-old local chapter of the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition, the first regional chapter of its kind. Cynthia Rose attended Belmont High and trained at the LA Fashion Institute, where she gets her aesthetic and other things. And she comes to us today from Santa Monica. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Cynthia Rose. Hi, Claudia. How are you? I'm, thank you, fine. And you this morning? I am great. And I want to first, you know, you are a known entity in this global movement to put two wheels under each and every one of us. Cynthia, tell us about your handle in all the best bicycle circles in the world. Well, we're, they're growing. They're growing, and it, it's, it can't be ignored any longer that two wheels are an efficient, uh, healthy way to get from A to B. They're healthy to go out for fun, for work, for play. So it, it just can't be denied anymore. The momentum is growing and it can't be stopped. Well, when I say handle, I date myself. It's what uh, truck drivers with operating CB radios used to say. The handle was their nickname. So, oh, so you I have see. a. You told me about your handle, and let's share that with the audience. I do. I have a handle that kind of grew on its own, and it's purple. And on its own, it's kind of oh, oh well. She's got a nickname. She likes purple, but uh, it goes hand in hand with my boyfriend and. Uh, co-founder of also Santa Monica Spoke and in our community, and his handle's Orange. So together we are Orange and Purple. And, and that you mean, it, uh, we found out that we were known by these nicknames before people even knew our real names or knew us at all, because we're very color-coded when we go out on our bikes. Okay, and the community expands not just the west side of L.A., just roll out all that community that with which you're connected and you are familiar. Well, the Los Angeles uh, we are the first uh, and the catalyst kind of regional uh, 
chapter program, which has now evolved into the local chapter program in Los Angeles County, which is under the umbrella of the Los Angeles County Bike Coalition, which is unique in that, in, unlike any other city in the country, we have 88 municipalities in this county, and it's very difficult for any one organization, although they have the same interests, to be able to effectively um, relate with those individual governments and municipalities. So our local chapters program came out of that. So that we have people on the ground in their local communities where they have a vested interest in improvements, and they can relate directly with their local uh, municipalities with the help of the organization of the Los Angeles County Bike Coalition. Well, let's just give you credit, though. I was uh, trying to uh, give you a chance to talk about you're known in all of the big bicycle uh, circles all around the world, uh, <laughs> beyond California, all the way to Copenhagen. Purple and orange are known. So That you're, is true. You've been... Uh, we, uh, we've attended many of the um, symposiums and... and uh, and the like, we went to Velo City last year. So now we are known actually up to Vancouver. Uh, the Dutch came. We are known in, in uh, Portland, Seattle, uh, Copenhagen. We have we get emails from all over the world <laughs> referring to us as purple and orange. Okay. Well, the Which ocean. Santa Monica spoke. Exactly. Well, so the Ocean Park. Boulevard Green Street. Why don't you give us, Cynthia, an auditory sweep of that user, of what the user and your neighborhood experiences there? Well, neighborhood, what we first found is that uh, the publicity over the Green Street in Ocean Park was, was quite obvious, what you see, this big swath of green paint down the street. But what we tried, what we are um, pointing out is that that is so, Ocean Park is so much more than just green bike lanes that are wonderful and provide additional safety and speak to how the committee, uh, the city is uh, committed to alternate transportation and biking. This street is, uh, it provides uh, storm drain, storm runoff mitigation. It, uh, it provides so much more than just um just uh, uh, traffic calming. Well, let's talk, too, about the importance of calming the traffic for the uh, non-motorized use of that stretch. Yeah, the, the speed, there's um, traffic feedback counters on Ocean Park, which this, um, this project goes back almost 20 years uh, when the Ocean Park Association formed... Uh, to try to just uh, take back their streets and make their streets uh, more of a community, uh, interesting for all users, safe for all users, and utilized. It's more of a public space now than it is just uh, a pathway for cars. Okay, okay. Does that answer your question, oh, or were you talking about more? Well, it's for, for us all to consider when the infrastructure is designed that that's, uh, you talked about mitigating stormwater runoff that would send otherwise uh, heavy metals straight to Santa Monica Bay. You talked about sort of the um, adding the modality of the 
the bicycles, the modality of, and, and then the modality of, of just walking, that it's with the calming street, then you're, it's, it beckons more drive, more pedestrians, it gets more people out of their cars. It's sort of a, a you know, a synergy of when you calm the street, you're going to, you're going to bring out other than automobile traffic there. Right. And you make it more pleasant for automobiles. I'm not rid of automobiles. We don't, we're, we're not of the camp that thinks that automobiles are going away. Automobiles have their use. It's just that other modes need have their place and their rights within this, um, within our structure. The city of Santa Monica passed their land use and circulation element, which yes. is called the loose, back in, in July of 2010. Okay. Um, but uh, to a component of the loose... Wherever, it, Cynthia, wherever you can stand so that your pickup for your cell phone um, it has a little bit higher fidelity. We're just starting to hear you chop up a little. Okay. Let's see if that helps. Okay. Um, the the loose we passed uh, and some of the central principles in the loose are the complete streets and the green streets. And those are ones that are, you know, scale for pedestrians, landscape to provide a street canopy, all the things that Ocean Park has with the urban runoff, calming traffic, um, providing for all modes of transportation. So this street encompasses all of those things. And it, it's, it also... Uh, speaks to the city's commitment to increasing the urban forest, which is, you know, uh, which provides for the reduction in greenhouse gases and and the increase in CO2 capture. So it does everything. Fine. And I just, in looking up a few details about this, I know that uh, a downtown uh, central business district in L.A., uh, they... uh, were um, they laid down their first green street and they were drawing criticism from the movie industry because that green stretch made that more identifiable as a Los Angeles setting and it couldn't be your generic downtown and other kinds of uh, film settings. So they had to sort of think about how they're going to handle that kind of a thing. Sort of a funny little item there. But um, so I would I would point out though that that the difference here is the previous green streets that have been publicized in say Long Beach. Uh, which was one of the first ones that we heard about uh, in Southern California and downtown, is that those those encompass green paint. Ocean Park is much more than green paint for the for the, what we were just talking about. Right. It's a complete. It's more of a complete street. It functions. And I think also with the downtown project, if I may yes. interject, is that they were saying that you know that, that now those green painted streets. It's, it can't be filmed as any town USA. What we want to see is any town USA should Has look it. like that. Exactly. I was going to get to that thought, and that's great. <laughs> so it's just how dated it is when it first was there. So then um, it's also, um, was Santa Monica spoke behind the $2.5 million uh, bike center at Santa Monica, which really distinguishes the downtown? Were, uh, uh, were you part of that getting uh, put together? Well, we take part in providing the moment, helping the city provide the momentum and reaching out with the community. But it, truth be told, some of these projects began before Santa Monica Spoke did. So we helped shape them as they became as they came to fruition, for sure. Okay. Um, but the the uh, like the beautiful bike center that we have that is again is so much more than a bike center. It yes. provides for. Um, 
what when you well let's see when you went in there did you get a sense of I didn't get how to go in that was no I didn't get to go in but I looked up you know folks this this Santa Monica bike center is a park and service center you can you've got showers and lockers there you can rent bikes there you can get guided bike and Segway tours and there's bike education and encouragement programs sh- bike and Segway sharing programs and you can buy bike merchandise there it's it's just amazing I'd love to stop in there I was heading to the market so I I didn't get a chance to look at that at the time but it's a it so you're saying Cynthia Rose that this is some it's the leadership in uh, civic government that's uh, providing the the sort of the you know the first steps toward which uh, citizens can then you know uh, improve and expand on the, uh, the the movement there we have we have a very engaged and visionary city staff and government and they are definitely trying to make the city with the envisioning uh, with the with the principles in the loose they're envisioning the city as, as something that we can all be proud of and projects like this have um, they're good at getting uh, grant funding and and you know sending in for call for projects to get funding to study these things so that we can reach out to the community and get input and that they can become a reality and spoke is a big part of that Santa Monica spoke and this I also would point out that yes. our wonderful bike center was recognized by the League of American Bicyclists as a silver level bike friendly business award this past year I, the I first don't in doubt Monica. it. Wonderful. Well, for those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader on 88 KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My guest is Cynthia Rose, director of Santa Monica Spoke, a local chapter of the Los Angeles Bike Coalition, advocating a better place to live, bike, walk, work, and play. And we're talking about um, what the Santa Monica Municipal Leadership has done to uh, set the way for creating this. Um, it's just been in there in the ground since the last, what, the year and a half now at the Santa Monica Bike Center, or since, yeah. was it 2011, when when the green uh, the green street was put, uh, initiated anyway, or when it was the, the, the groundbreaking had occurred. So a lot was happening a year and a half ago. So now everybody's, uh, you know, it, experiencing all the dividends of, of that thinking and that kind of thing. So, well, um, and... Yeah, that, that, that past November, so in that November, we passed the bike plan, our bike action plan, which you'll see a lot of the components and all the things that the uh, paint going down on the street is our comp- components as a result of that, uh, and visions of the bike plan, either the two-year, the five-year, the 20-year plan. We opened the bike center, we, and we broke ground at Ocean Park. Okay. Oh, it's and people are using it, folks. It's um, it's just it just sets a whole different tone when you see people using their bikes to get around. And it's, I mean, Santa Monica is really conducive to um, anyone practically being able to velo around with the 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 topography there. I mean, you can take your time if you want to come down the bluff and slowly work your way down there with a with a bicycle. Well, then another part of what Santa Monica spoke is contributing is is the, your involvement with the. I'd like to characterize as the new, improved, extended, and prettier Ciclavia. Tell us about that. Uh, Ciclavia, we are very happy to announce, is making it to the ocean <laughs> this year. Yay! We hope we could get it all the way up to Santa Monica, but that won't happen at this next Ciclavia. But it, in the future, we're looking for that. But it will go, this next Ciclavia will go from Figueroa downtown 
all the way down Venice Boulevard to Venice Beach, and that is that was a a, a vision of Aaron Paley and the and the Ciclovia board um, last year, and it it became a reality. It will happen. And that will be April 21st. April 21st. That's a Sunday, isn't there? Always Sundays. Yes, they're always Sundays. Okay. Well, that that'll be a treat. I'm. uh, I don't want anything getting my way to go to that one. I'm, you know, (laughs) thinking the Metrolink gets me up to uh, L.A. Station and then uh, head over. I'm not sure what ride or or subway it over. You'll have so many options with this now, with with not with Los Angeles not only becoming more bike-friendly, more pedestrian-friendly, which incidentally we're working on our pedestrian plan starting this month in Santa Monica, and L.A. is also reaching out and, and starting pedestrian uh, activa- act, um, uh, advocacy. Um, which is very important. Can, yes. Transit is also a key component that's happening with our expo line that is making it all the way out to the sea uh, in the next couple of years. That's a big component in how people can use multimodal uh, transportation uh, forms yes. of transportation to get from A to B for fun and for work. So with your three years, you've been seeing a lot taking place, and it's, uh, it's certainly paying off. You and it's Orange. It's a whirlwind, a whirlwind. And um, are, I, I guess it's important to find out, are you um, being asked to uh, and tap for ideas in other, uh, let's say, sub-regions around the L.A. Basin? Uh, that's one thing that the local chapter thing, uh, the local chapter is a big help with, is that it becomes, L.A. becomes a much smaller place because we can all help each other. So, yes, we are all tapped. What's happening in Santa Monica can help affect what's happening with our local chapter in Montebello. They can call us, and they have they know who they can call when they know a project that's working or there's something that's similar to something they're doing or want to see done. They can call. They already know who they can contact with. So it makes our community smaller because we're all friends and we all relate to each other and we help each other. Okay, so you are pretty... Plenty busy, plenty plugged in to what's going on here, so that your your institutional knowledge is going to go a long way past Santa Monica's municipal limits. It it, it already has. With uh, last last year, a year and a half ago, we had the uh, uh, riding with the Dutch, where we had a, a contingent from the Netherlands that travels around, and they came to Los Angeles. And part of that Green Street project, or the Spring Street Green Lanes, was came out of that um, workshop. What did they have to say when they came? Do you remember their impressions? They were so happy to ride with us. They were just <laughs> a great group of people, and they they couldn't believe that we ride. We took them down Venice Boulevard, which okay. was they were um, a little surprised, but they were also just impressed with the the bike community and the commitment to making things happen, and with our mayor, with the mayor Via Ragosa. They were very pleased. He was a part of the. He was. It was his impetus that it, they really came to Los Angeles and provided that extra um, shot to get us going in the right direction. Well, not to confuse now. Santa Monica has Los its Angeles. own. Yes, yeah, Santa Monica has its own mayor. We can give that mayor yes. the do the name. I, we remind us so we we don't want to confuse the uh, leadership there with the, uh, in the different cities. San, San, uh, Via Ragosa being the the mayor of Los no, Angeles, no. but the name no, of the no. mayor from Santa Monica currently is. Well, Kurt, well, our previous mayor who oversaw a lot of these um, bike infrastructure was Mayor Bloom, who is now uh, congressman in the 50, <gasps> assemblyman in the 51st district. So now we have a mayor pro tem 
lots of times Terry O'Day. Our mayors kind of take turns, like some of others, yes. the smaller cities. Right. Okay. So, well, that's very fine. Well, we have um, also, for those who um, just joined us, my guest is Cynthia Rose, director of Santa Monica Spoke. This is the local chapter of the L.A. Bike Coalition, and she is also, um, uh, you can hear her host one of the, uh, what's a resource we want to mention is Bike Talk that you can go to, and the, the Bike Talk is at just biketalk. Um, what, what's the name of the, the web? Bike Talk is, yeah, Bike Talk. Just okay, and then the other other information you can always get, folks, from the, the from the organization for Santa Monica Spoke is smspoke.org to um, find out what's going. But the Santa Monica uh, Municipal website too is just loaded with what's going on and, and adding on to this particular Ocean Park Boulevard strip. And I and I imagine what. Uh, probably through the Dutch off, is that they're so used to the sort of local access only kind of bike paths that are off of the main surface road. So they probably wondered, how could you handle being right next to all those cars that are heading from uh, city to city on Venice Boulevard? But uh, but you showed them it was, it was doable because the motors were getting, they're more and more attuned to bicycle traffic alongside them. Um, I, they're getting better now. I mean, it's really, it's, it's a snowball effect. Ah. The, the more cyclists that are out there, I think everyone out there that's riding um, is noticing that it just, it, almost monthly you notice a difference in the increase in people riding their bikes. And But we must continue to support this infrastructure with more and improved uh, bike infrastructure that separated bike lanes are important. Uh, we saw the uh, the implementation of buffered bike lanes in Santa Monica this last year. So we yes. have several there are, there are several north, south, and east, west. Uh, we don't have east, west yet. Yes, we do actually um, on Ocean Park, further up into the city, and north, south on 14th Street. We have separated bike lanes, which provide separation from not only traffic by a delineated buffer. This is not a physical buffer yet, although we should see those in the future. Okay. But it also has a buffer on the door zone side, door zone side, which is uh, a hidden danger that we really want to try to educate cyclists to ride away from potentially opening doors that can throw you into traffic. Oh, right. Or throw you into the traffic or throw you off your bike in uh, from the, the yeah from the car just inside uh, the car parking lane there that's so important people and when you're and when you are getting out of your car you can that's your end of the deal folks to to be mindful of traffic on that side and oh man i had i had such a maneuver just in the last 3 days i think where i um, with the it was black it was dark the uh, the cyclists didn't have a light on, and I I knew they were going to come up. I was waiting for pedestrians to cross. I was in a car at that particular time, folks, and I was just watching the the uh, watching the pedestrians crossing in the dark. And then I knew that bicycle was coming up on my right, and keeping track. So, but it's just we've got to be really, really, really mindful of that traffic, and and then give our take our own turn with uh, riding around. But so there, you were talking about the buffer then of the the door opening section as well as the buffer from the traffic so that um, everybody's everybody's accommodated and encouraged. Are you, is there, is there any kind of like a volunteer effort, like people, volunteers are counting how many gold eagles are, you know, migrating or something like that. Are you, are you keeping tabs on the, the increase of the bike traffic? Uh, the city has, um, they have cameras which can pick up not only cars 
pedestrians possibly, but they pick up cyclists. So they could use those to demonstrate the increase in the people cycling. Okay. But I also, based on what you, your comment just now, I think it's important to note that cyclists have responsibilities when they're on the road as well. Oh. And part of our responsibility as an advocacy association and um, the city is to educate people on to what their rights are and also their responsibilities. Cyclists riding at night, it is the law that they need to have lights, just like a car needs lights. So we want to, we want to encourage cycling, we want to encourage safe cycling, but we also need to have people realize that they have rights and they have um and they have uh, responsibilities. Uh, responsibilities that they must follow. And and there's also beyond just having a light that follows the, the law, that being seen provides safety for you and the motorists. Like you were there and you were watching this this pedestrian. I was crossing. really rattled. And you, and you were rattled. And that is that contributes to the animosity between motorists and cyclists. If we need to follow those rules, and we need to and we need to encourage them to follow those rules. And this is Operation, one of yes, and that's I'm sorry. Operation Operation Firefly was um, started this last year by the Los Angeles County Bike Coalition, and we are giving out free lights to cyclists that don't have lights, and encouraging and and um, uh, providing them with the rules and regulations so that they know what their responsibilities are. One ER visit would pay for how many Operation Firefly lights? <laughs> Really, okay, so we're asking for contributions, and but we're also just giving out lights so people can. If you have a light and you want to help, you can just donate money, and that will buy more lights and give them out. And that's as we were mentioning earlier at the Santa Monica Bike Center. That's one of the services, bike education for sure. So um, yeah, that's a, that, and that goes. With, those are lead certified uh, instructors. Myself, Orange and Purple, a big part of that here in Santa Monica. We teach people not only the rights and responsibilities, but how to ride confidently so that you're safer. It's, it's a peace of mind as well as knowing your rights and rules. That is a wrap, Cynthia Rose. That couldn't be better <laughs> closed on that. So I, I want to thank you for being on. Can I, can I give you one more? Oh, big of course ar- you can. <laughs> Our big project that we're starting now is uh, the Michigan Avenue Greenway. Okay. And that is one of the five-year visions of our bicycle action plan. And that serves, uh, again, c- uh, connecting all kinds of neighborhoods, the, the Pico neighborhood with transit, pedestrian, um, and bicycle infrastructure, uh, improved traffic um, uh, uh Intersections, mm-hmm. calm, street calming, and a sense of neighborhood. It won't be a beautiful street, and that's and it, it increases, increases property values, obviously, by Always. having a beautiful street like that. And, and we'll have uh, we're starting that program. Well, I guess just going to smspoke.org, and you'll see when our next meetings are. But that is we the city received a grant to study the project, and we received a grant to prom- help promote and support that project. Congratulations. So the Michigan Avenue Greenway will be similar in feeling. It'll be a more of a complete street like Ocean Park without big green lanes. Okay. Well, we'll watch for that one uh, as it's being uh, uh, installed over the next... It's a five-year plan, but the installation and completion is, is due uh, at, in five years from now, or is it the pl- plan already underway and the construction will be done sooner? 
the, the, no, the, at this point right now, we're, the city is studying the project. Okay. So we're at this point, we're reaching out to the community for input. That will be the first step. Uh, and the, everybody who hears about this is just thoroughly and uh, just excited to see this would connect um, the project with safe routes to school so the children have the option to walk to school instead of being driven by their parents, which causes more congestion and uh, and just bad air quality around and danger around the schools. So um, th- th- it will be a huge project. And it, um it's just in its beginning stages now, but completion, um, it's just part of the five-year vision. That doesn't, that doesn't really demonstrate or, or speak to when it would be completed. Well, we'll be watching for that, and we'll, we'll stay tuned when uh, the, these and other improvements come about and maybe some things that you're going to be doing maybe in Orange County. So that's all the time we have. Cynthia Rose with Santa Monica Spoke Advocacy Group for Cycling in Santa Ana Monica. She's building a greener, sustainable transit system one avenue at a time. Congratulations, Purple and Orange. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. All the best. Thank you. So we'll be back after a station break to bring on Irvine Council Member Beth Crom to talk about some of the redirection of the City Council and the impact it's going to be having on our Orange County Great Park. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. We're back here on Ask a Leader. Well, last week, I uh, closed the radio show with an announcement of the same-day Irvine City Council meeting that was to consider several agenda items pertaining to the Orange County Great Park. Uh, many of you have seen the coverage of the meeting in the printed media, and since I did not recognize the meeting portrayed in most papers, I thought it was necessary to examine last Tuesday nights, and it was, it went into Wednesday morning because it was closed at 1.26 a.m., folks, to, uh, to examine that process today on Ask a Leader with one of the members of the council, council member Beth Crom. Beth was recently on the show that is just before last fall's election, an election where the composition of the council was fundamentally changed. Today we talk about the local and regional impacts of that change. Welcome back to Ask a Leader Council Member Beth Crom. Thank you. And congratulations on your re-election bid. Well, thank you very much. Today's coverage of the changes in the Great Park leadership, both in substance and tone, is important for each one of us who've been catching on to how much is actually going on at the park. Some would have characterized the Great Park as a carousel, a balloon, and a palm tree court. Others experience a crowd, a live and lively performance, a cultural exchange, and many learning opportunities. So Beth, uh, lots is happening. Last Tuesday, the council, uh, with its new composition and council members, voted on several motions concerning the Great Park. It was the first public city council session. It was pretty heady business for the first meeting, wasn't it, Beth? It is. Uh, it's, it's unusual for a first meeting of the year uh, to have three significant actions, um, which, 
you know, my concern was that the actions were put on that agenda in order to sort of slide under the radar screen, you know, sort of before people get back into the groove of things in January. So it was nice to see that people were paying attention and that the city council chambers were full with people who were who were interested and was that a typical supportive. Was that a typical turnout, Beth? I'm, I'm, uh, I don't go to as many meetings as I should, but I was there. I, I noticed how many were turning out. Was that, was that a good turnout for uh, citizens, or is that like what you usually get? And no, I, you know, having having a full city council chamber is pretty unusual. Oh, okay. Uh, I think the last time we uh, we had that kind of turnout was probably when Centerline, the light rail, was on the agenda. So it's been quite some time since that many people have taken the time. And to be honest, I was impressed with how many people actually stuck it out for the full eight hours. As you said, we didn't get out until about one thirty in the morning. Oh, man. I, and, folks, I will not misrepresent. I did not stay nearly that late. But I, And I, it's always, it strikes me as so athletic, Beth Crom, how long the city council can stay at the dais and, and be there and compose yourselves for that, into those wee hours, knowing you're going to have to do it again another day. Well, and I think the reason often uh, mayors choose to see the, see the meeting through is because, um, you know, if they do not conclude the business, uh, and then they have a meeting another day. Everybody who came and spoke would likely come and speak again. So, you know, I wasn't surprised that the mayor chose to <clears throat> try and get through all of those actions. But, you know, it was an interesting evening. It was interesting that um, newly elected a former uh, supervisor, but supervisor again, Todd Spitzer, who represents the city of Irvine and who had uh, sort of uh, announced in the paper his interest in potentially running an initiative to try and get the county to be able to take back the great park and you know that he came and was pretty aggressive in his remarks i I just um you know it was democracy in action but i have to say that you know the actions to remove the independent directors from the orange county great park corporation i did not support um the action to change well we're going to go step by step with each of the actions that are taken so um that's the uh, the first of those. Uh, it was a three to two vote to reduce, and that, that is the first action, the three three point two on the um, the agenda, uh, to reduce the number of Orange County Great Park Board of Directors from nine members to five, with the intention of removing all the at large, meaning beyond the city of Irvine uh, municipality appointments, leaving only then the five Irvine City Council members to serve on the board. So you were saying. Well, what I was saying is, you know, when we established the composition of the Great Park Corporation Board back in 2003, um, before the land was even transferred, it was actually Councilmember Christina Shea and I that brought forward the composition that had uh, four independent members and the five members of the City Council. At the time, there were members of the City Council and staff who thought that it really should be a staff-driven project with perhaps two council members Uh, serving in a liaison position. And the reason that we brought forward the composition as it has been uh, over the last almost 10 years is that only with uh, a majority of city council members on the the board would you be required to operate publicly. Um, If there had been, for example, staff and two council members, every action taken could have been taken uh, in a closed room, and we didn't think that was a good idea. So it's been working very well for the last 10 years. Somebody said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the truth is, what just happened is that this new majority on the city council um, essentially 
didn't really bring the the Great Parks uh, uh, planning process under the full council, but under three members of the council. So what they did was they just basically said, you know what? We just won a new majority in the city of Irvine. We don't really have to worry about public participation. We don't really have to worry about, um, you know, anybody else. We're going to control how the Great Park is built and developed, and we're going to do it without the benefit of regional leadership, although I will point out, as I did at the meeting, that more than once uh, Councilmember Shea alluded to the fact that maybe there should be more members, and I personally am waiting to see whether... This really isn't the end game, whether the end game perhaps for the new city council majority is to create a new board that's packed with people who may or may not be supportive of a grand public vision for the Great Park. And, you know, the guest just before us um, from the Santa Monica spoke was talking about how much the Santa Monica municipality, uh, the, the, the actual city council leadership had to do with creating this visionary bicycle system throughout that city, and which connects with the kind of institutional knowledge to other municipalities and other regional government to, uh, you know, uh, introduce and reinforce these other transit modalities, more, safer for pedestrians, safer for bicyclists. So that that visionary leadership in Santa Monica is yielding huge dividends there. And I kept, I was spoiling for it. A continuation of that theme in this discussion today with the visionary leadership of the Orange County Great Park that's been you know it's it's turned on a dime into a, a, a different direction but it's but the direction I was waiting to hear I I was thinking it was it was wanting there what what is the vision it was a sort of a a structural change but I don't know what the vision was I don't know what the well, idea I mean, I the structural change will change the vision because because the structural change by design is designed to compromise, in my view, the the long-time vision for the park. You know, people don't remember the history, and they don't realize often when they're reading a random article. um, They were random, too. It's fair to say. the, um, The press has been in this change in leadership, not so much talking about the substantive impacts, but simply sort of lauding the fact that Irvine, which has historically been the most visionary and most progressive city, now has a chance to be sort of like everybody else in Orange County and, <laughs> and subscribe to the more uh, traditional conservative p- political viewpoints. And there's no doubt in my mind that at the heart of all of this really is much more uh, a political agenda than there is a park agenda. We've been focused on advancing a park vision. That park vision was created by Ken Smith, who was selected through an international design competition. That that comprehensive master design we still work with and will continue to work with, or at least that had been our intention. Uh, but it seems that the intention of the new majority is to call into question every decision that's been made over the last 10 years, kind of cloud the issue. And in the meanwhile, I suspect create opportunities for others to look at ways to exploit um, what has been a chilled development market because of the chilled development market, uh, Five Point Communities, has been unable to do their private development. Um, As a result of that, revenues and resources that were intended to come to the park did not. When the legislature undid redevelopment, they compromised $1.4 billion in funding, which we uh, had every reason to expect 
to get, and as I pointed out at the meeting, you know, two things that would have been very valuable would have been a crystal ball and a magic wand. Had we had those, we might have been able to see into the future. But we did our planning based on uh, based on on the information we had and, and our expectations. And our expectations were that the private developer would be able to develop, that their private development would allow for early land forming. You know, people talk about where's the the um, uh, where's the canyon. The canyon? Right. You know, the fact is that initially the intention of the private developer was to use land excavated for the canyon in order to do land forming for their private development. But when their private development couldn't go forward, not only were those opportunities, you know, having to be set aside for the moment, not indefinitely, but, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't undertake those at the front end, but also needed infrastructure, which would have allowed for other features to be developed you know, uh, you know, wasn't there. So what we've accomplished, we've accomplished under the most extraordinary circumstances. And, you know, nobody ever asked the private developer why they haven't developed anything. I find it interesting that the fact that we actually have moved forward aggressively with the park development, that we have leveraged developer fees in order to get in what will be, by the time the new features are unveiled this summer, about 230 acres of both parkland and agricultural land. And people often poo-poo the agricultural, but let's not forget that before it was a military base, that land was once James Irvine's most prized lima bean fields. And the fact that we're cultivating again, that people are able to come out and be part of that, we'll be adding um, community garden plots. Our farm and food lab is very popular. We've donated over, over a million pounds of food to local food banks that's been grown at the park. So I know it's very easy to dismiss things, um, but the truth is uh, we have accomplished a great deal under very difficult circumstances, and oh. now it'll be interesting to see what happens under right. this new leadership. And that's back to the, the vision. We still haven't quite unpackaged what I was trying to bring up is that that uh, second-guessing what has been done is not in and of itself a vision. And that's what I was trying to mention earlier is in the process, in the in the the session with the city council last Tuesday night, there I didn't get that with the um, the current the the previous vision it was going to be replaced by a different vision. I just saw, I heard second guessing and that kind of a thing, and so that's that it sort of rattles my um, constituent cage here. That I'm wondering, well, uh, what am I getting here in my civic you know civil government here? And that and it, it, I don't I did not hear what the vision was going to be. Did you hear well, a vision? I didn't hear, I didn't hear that either. You okay, know, and that's important. Of, we can't float my, on nothing like that. One of my favorite Eleanor Roosevelt quotes, and there are many, yeah. is great minds talk about ideas, average minds talk about events, and small minds talk about people. Seems to me a lot of the conversation uh, at the meeting had to do with people, the old majority, the new majority. Several times it was articulated that, you know, we're in power now, you know, to me, uh, it's not about power. It's about what you're going to do with the power you have. It's with about the levers. what you're going to do with the platform you have. And as you've said, there's been no discussion about what that new vision is, only a discussion about the fact that things are going to change, and change they are. And uh, it was important, the discussion of mandate. And I'm, I'm not carrying your water for you, Beth. But it is a very mixed message that the actual electoral results give us about uh, what a mandate would be. If 
Beth Crom received the most votes of any city council or mayoral candidate in this last election cycle, and then others follow that. It, it was, it's very difficult for a mandate to be um, ascertained from those kinds of results. So we'll, we're going to go back then to the second um, agenda item that was voted on, again, by the three to two vote. I guess that's small me to mention. I, I'm, numbers is even smaller than talking about people. The second was to terminate the contract for the public relations firm. And I don't know if I said Ford and Mulrick mm-hmm. and the Townsend Public Affairs. So right. what will happen with that contract being terminated? Are, are there some severance um, uh, fees to be paid? Are, are, are there, um, are we, what will happen with the interruption of that, um, you know, sustained uh, consulting relationship for the last 10 years? Well, I think it's the interruption. Uh, absolutely. You know, interestingly, I, I don't know if it was timed to coincide because we were all aware that this past week the uh, teams for the U.S. Department of Energy Solar Decathlon as well as the folks from the U.S. Department of Energy came out for their first on-site visit. Um, as people may know, the Orange County Great Park was selected by the U.S. Department of Energy as the first site outside of Washington, D.C. to host the U.S. Department of Energy Solar Decathlon between yes. the 3rd and the 13th of October this year. and Two of, you know, that project, two of the key players on that project were Ford and Mulrick and Townsend Public Affairs. So you have an extraordinary project, which not only will be beneficial to the park and will allow the park to get significant uh, exposure and involvement from people, not just throughout the region, throughout the state, but throughout the country and throughout the world. This is an international uh, competition amongst universities to create the most innovative, energy-efficient home. So you have that. Ford and Mulrick actually wrote, wrote the winning proposal for the U.S. Department of Energy Solar Decathlon. They have been involved in this project since we were fighting the airport. They know every aspect of this project, backward and forward. They're a very specialized firm, and they have done great work for us. Um, they will now not be working for us, and, and they have not been replaced with any other um, resources, so it will be interesting to see what happens. The, a void has been created, and apparently, no contemplation of how to ensure a seamless continuity. None, really, uh, in the planning for the for the solar decathlon, amongst other things. And the same is true for Townsend Public Affairs. I mean, they have been very involved in uh, partnerships, helping us generate partnerships. They also have been working on legislation up in Sacramento that would support. Um, a kind of fix to the redevelopment situation, something that's obviously very important to the city of Irvine. And they basically were just cut off. I mean, there was no transition. There was no suggestion that we would continue for a month or two months until an RFP could be put out, until somebody new could be secured. So basically we've been left without the resources that would be um, essential, I believe, to ensure that the solar decathlon project moves forward to ensure that our voice is represented up in Sacramento. So and is, is there a hope and is it a hope and a prayer that the the council is hoping that there, there will be uh, with this void somehow the torch gets carried so that what um, certainly they're going to love cutting the ribbons later on when the things are, are, are developing and can being completed that um, that are, are they just hoping that it's going to it will be carried just by staff and uh, with staff doing their other jobs at this point? Well, I-, I mean, that was what was asserted. I mean, one of the things that I really need to 
point out, because, you know, we do have models here in Orange County, Costa Mesa comes to mind, of cities where a shift in the majority and, and, a, and three members who are strongly invested in this kind of anti-government, um, you know, anti-public employee, anti-public um, uh, interest uh, mentality um, have really have really created a lot of chaos in that city. The city of Irvine is one of the best-run cities in America. We're probably the only city, or certainly the only city in Orange County, possibly the only city in, in California, that came through this Great Recession without having to lay off or furlough any employees. We did collapse 72 positions. Nobody should think that we were expanding our organization but we were able to bridge our way through this economic downturn because of very smart strategic decisions that were made over the last 12 years. Uh, when I presided as mayor, I was able to leave $30 million in discretionary reserves for Mayor Kang when he came in. So we're a very well-run city. But what I see is an effort to create a false narrative, a false narrative that the park there's nothing at the park but a balloon. A false narrative that the city is in dire straits and we must cut and slash and burn. And, and, and basically, when Councilmember Lalloway challenged the staff and said, I'm sure you can all pick up the slack, I think that was the first shot across the bow in sort of saying, you know what, the days of respecting the people who work for the city of Irvine are over. The days of recognizing that it takes expertise to achieve great results are over. You know, there's a new sheriff in town. We subscribe to a very different view, small government um, contraction, um, no, no great vision. Even our mayor, uh, Mayor Choi, talked about the active participation in public um, programming but those commissions. at the Great Park as, as if that was throwing a party and of no relevance whatsoever. So I expect we're going to see a lot of that public programming and possibly even our community services contracted. So <clears throat> I can't, I, I still don't have that magic wand and crystal ball. I still can't look into the future. I can tell you that our success over the last decade has owed greatly to that combination of vision, strategic deployment of resources, I don't see that that's going to continue, but I'm, I'm more than willing to wait and see. And since I basically <clears throat> have been removed from my position as chair of the corporation. That happened, that happened two days after the city council meeting. Two days after, um, and have been rendered virtually powerless. Um, all I really can do is watch and see what Mayor Choi and council members Lalloway and Shea choose to do, because they've made it very clear. We're the only game in town. We're going to do what we want to do. We're, we're here to serve different constituencies. We're not here to, to work for the public interest. We're here to work for the interests that we believe um, were critical to our success in our election. I think those are political interests. And we'll just see what happens. Well, it'll be interesting to see what this leadership, how, um, how effectively uh, they are going to be able to leverage those additional resources that were beyond what were uh, was, uh, spent out of the budget or the reserves um, Previously, to Orange, uh, the Orange County Great Park. Um, I mean, uh, for instance, the, I, I don't know the Barclay sponsorship of the concerts that it will not continue this year. Correct? Um, it's only funded. It's only funded through this fiscal year, which means that there would have to be new funding committed uh, through the new budget. So okay. again. 
Those are conversations that the CEO is going to need to have with the new chair, Jeff Lalloway of the park. He's the chair. To see okay. whether that's a priority um, that they wish to continue. That has been a very popular program, a great way to bring the community together. Um, the Orange County Great Park truly has become a park for all people. So I can't say. My hope is that they won't do away with those programs. But those decisions rest with others now. Well, I know a recurrent criticism was that there were too many brochures coming for those concerts. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to cut the city a little slack in uh, that decision that the way to build, to grow a brand new institution, you really have to leaflet the heck out of the public so that they, they get, oh, no, really, there is a concert right around the corner. Oh, this, this is a, this is a, a you know, a, a rare opportunity. And, you know, and once you finally get there, you really get how important it is to, to grow that institution because there are really intangible kinds of uh, benefits one derives from those come together. So, but the end of the fiscal year means there will, there may be bookings until right until the end of June. And then, well, well, the summer program starts in late August. Obviously there's planning that needs to go in at the front end. I'm sure the CEO will undertake a conversation with the new chair for the Orange County Great Park Corporation to determine what the priorities are. And I'm sure that 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 will be brought to us. You know, the corporation meetings, which used to be at a standalone time, will now be held two hours before our Irvine City Council meetings on the second Thursday of the month. So, you know, we've also shrunk the amount of time that we have to publicly discuss a lot of these issues associated with the park. So I'll just have to wait. You know, it's, it is a new position for me to be in. Um, I do want to say, as far as promoting things, you know, I'm the daughter of a a television anchorman. Yes. I grew up watching my dad on the news on television. And one of the things that continues to sort of astound me about Orange County is that we're three million people in Orange County. We have no televised media other than one PBS station that really is, has a regional focus now. Um, Big regional, not Orange County regional, but L.A. Basin regional. Right. And, you know, again, it's not that they don't find time to talk about things that are going on here, but I think often what they choose to talk about is of less interest to the public than if they actually spoke about, not just at the Great Park, but throughout Orange County, the, the arts and cultural programs that go on, the music programs that go on. And so, and then we have, you know, the Orange County Register and the Irvine World News. So, you know, there are not that many media resources Outlets, right. um, for people to get information about what's happening here in the city of Irvine. You know, and it's a shame because, uh, you know, the register, again, is more regional. Even with the Irvine World News, uh, more often than not, they'll have letters to the editor there from people from outside of, Orange, uh, outside of Irvine. It's not an Irvine, exclusively Irvine-focused paper. So, you know, what we do, we do because we believe if you're going to build a park and you're going to activate the park, then you have an obligation, really, to make the public aware of this great asset that is theirs, that they are invited to to enjoy, and that's what we've done. And I think that's been an important investment. Well, I'm going to make sure we're, as we approach the solar decathlon, we'll cover that, give you lots of radio magazine coverage there, and um, we'll, we'll take that up. Now, I think it's real important for people to know that uh, not only have I not reminded you, but I know everybody knows our council member, Beth Crom, by this point, but she's a recently reelected Irvine City Council member here on Ask a Leader. And I wanted to say that uh, for those of you who haven't yet experienced the the personages that are now in the majority, I think it's very important to 
either check in with the Cable Cox Channel 30 for the city council sessions, or there's the UVerse on Channel 99, and then the ICTV podcast you can get online. So this will give you a vivid detail of how your city council business is being conducted and the current brand of leadership serving your community here. So, well, Beth... Crom, that is all the time we have today to post it. Uh, we didn't get to the third agenda item of, of how of the audit that's going to be done. Everybody voted for having the audit. We'll, we'll maybe have a chance to sort of check in and see what's happening in a three or four month kind of stretch from here. But um, I did. I really appreciate your being on time to uh, post us on what's happening at the very front of it. So everybody's warned. You've got to watch what we've got. We've got a redirection in the city. Everybody keep. Keep track of that. Uh, we've got a city council member, too, that are keeping track. Uh, also, there'll they'll be open books for us. I'm counting on it. So, um, Beth Crom, thanks for being on Ask a Leader today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we are going to uh, wrap up the show. George Rosales is going to be up next. I couldn't resist, though, a little celebration. Martin Luther King would have been 84 today, and so I want to... Um, commemorate that next week i'm going to have the um a round table here it'll be the day after the uh second inauguration of president obama and so i'll have an interdisciplinary round table of uci faculty who will deconstruct the speeches and other rituals rituals of this pageant stay tuned for george rosales had a hat happy birthday martin thank you all for listening